The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Do you dream of being CEO of your own empire, running your own company, achieving your life's goals, yet wake up in a cold sweat? Next to last night's takeout leftovers and a pile of bus ticket stubs? You um, are not alone. Like many others, you are suffering from a classic case of caviar dreams, tuna fish budget. I'm Margaret Josephs. And I'm Lexi Barbuto. And every week, we'll be talking to influencers, trailblazers, disruptors, and risk takers who'll share their own journey to caviar dreams on a tuna fish budget. Side effects may include increased motivation, boundless happiness, and a fast track to success. We're so excited, Caviar Dreamers. We have an amazing guest today. We do. Someone I'm very excited for you to hear her incredible stories. I know. Michelle Rosenfeld of Rosenfeld Gallery. She has discovered the most amazing artist from Basquiat to, I mean, Keith Haring. She was involved with him. Andy Warhol. She has sold the most amazing paintings for hundreds of millions of dollars. She happens to be my neighbor, my good friend. She is a rough, tough cream puff and so fabulous. Hi, Michelle. Hi, honey. Nice to see you today. Nice to see you. On this rainy morning, we had to, you know, brighten it up for you gals that are home. I know, I know. You are, you are, you're a blonde bombshell, and you know, you know how we feel about our blondes. Anybody out there wants to copy us, you can do it too. I know, I know, I know. We, you know, we weren't born this way, and we didn't wake up this way. Just so you know. That's for sure. I know. Well, I'm so excited because Michelle, you really were an innovator in your industry. You well, start. What year did you start? I guess being an art dealer. What happened was this. I went to Emerson. I went to Emerson College. What year was that? Uh, I don't know the years. We're not going to get into. We're not talking about how old I am or how much I weigh. Okay. 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 Let's okay. be nice. No, We're just okay. going to say no, what's the yes. When I went, I okay. went. I went like everybody else at my age. You want to be a teacher. You gotta have security. You gotta have some kind of a something to fall back on. You don't want to get married for a meal ticket. So what are you gonna do? In my day and age, they became teachers. I became a speech therapist. Instead of making uh, um, I don't know ten dollars an hour, they made thirty-five an hour. I studied to be a speech therapist. What did I love? What was my passion? Art. My father collected art. He'd go to these different little auctions and buy things. He met Raphael Sawyer and this one and that one. Nobody that famous but he loved art. You know, his European background, his uh, father used to go to the opera and get paid to clap. They all loved music and art. My father really wanted to be an actor, but he got married and then he went into the war. And when he came back, he went into photography because he had done that in the war. Anyway, getting back to my story, 
He said, you have to have something that's practical. But I love the art, and that was always my line. Now, in high school, in my art class, believe it or not, we had a class, and I said to the art teacher, am I talented? He said, you're not talented in what you draw. You're talented in your eye, because you, of all the people in the class, picked out Sheila Berger. Who's Sheila Berger? She married Tom Wolfe. Where'd she marry Tom Wolfe? She met him at the magazine, I think Esquire. He <laughs> was writing, and she was the art director. So. She made, a, we had a still life. You know how most people do a yes. still life? A nice bowl of fruit, some flowers, a parakeet, a dog, if you can keep them still. Meanwhile, she did the pipes on the ceiling. And I said to teacher, you know, of all the paintings, her painting is really something. I love it. I love those pipes, the way she did them. They're so tubular. They almost look as if they're real. He said, you know what? You have an eye for art. Don't try to paint, but if you're ever interested, you could help pick, pick out art because you really appreciate it. So I kept that in the back of my mind and I, and I minored in art history and graduated uh, Emerson with uh, a 18 credits to teach, 18 credits in speech therapy, 18 credits in drama, 18 credits in art because I became a good student. How did I become a good student? Well, I almost flunked my, my uh, test freshman year in Dr. Crook's class. I had been doing my nails, talking on the phone, doing <laughs> all at the same time. And I was getting C's, so I didn't give a damn. Now I'm in Boston, and that doesn't work so well. Instead of C, the guy gives everybody in the class a D. My father said, if you think I'm going to pay as much for you to go to Emerson as your brother going to Harvard, forget about it. You'll come home. You go to Hofstra, you go to Adelphi, your mother and I miss you so much, so we'll have you, we'll get you a car. And I thought, oh my God, I know all the boys in Long Beach, I don't want to go back there and date, I want to stay in Boston. I've got to learn how to study. So I go out on a study date and the guy says, you're not, you're, we're not going to talk for an hour or two, we're going to the library. I said, what do I do if I don't talk for an hour or two? Well, I followed what he said and then I started getting 95, 99, 100. Now that I knew how to study, I graduated. I got a scholarship to Columbia. I took the speech therapy scholarship thinking that's what I would do and that with the money I would save, I would collect art. Meanwhile, at Columbia, I see these people in the art department. They're downstairs. They can't, they can't buy lunch. They have no money, but they're professors at Columbia teaching. And one does nine-foot sculptures in marble. Another one does gorgeous paintings. They do all kinds of innovative things, but they don't really know how to sell. And I have a lot of enthusiasm. They said, look, Saturdays we have a gallery. Why don't you bring your, your, your friends and your relatives and see if they'll buy because you're so, you appreciate what we did. So I start selling the art and I mean, I, it's like everybody I bring buys something. And were they paying you a commission? They were paying me a commission, started as a business, a lot of times, I would, instead of a commission, I would take a sculpture. Mm -hmm. I would take an artwork. I would take, because they didn't have a lot of money. So, you know, a lot of times I would just take whatever they were making, because I loved the art anyway. And my husband, I was married already, so he was paying the rent, which is so, always a good thing if you're doing any new business or anything, you know, that doesn't pay. Uh, have somebody earning a living, right? Right, right Bella. She knows. Yeah. yeah, she knows. Yeah. We earn the living and That's we support right. her. So you get the food. And the, and the water you need. 
Yes. Anyway, um, jumping ahead, let's see, jumping ahead. Yeah, so wait, I just want I just want to ask you a few questions. So then you decided maybe you're not going to do speech therapy and you just, did you decide like, this could be for me, I could start dealing in art, I love to work with these artists, it's creative. What made you start doing that? Like, well, how, how did you get into that? The thing is, after having the scholarship and studying the paramedical field from the head, neck, and trunk, studying and all this I think I have to pass my exams so I studied with two other girls all summer we passed a paramedical exam I worked at Montefiore Hospital I worked at different hospitals in New York and I enjoyed children and I enjoyed getting them you know in wabbit for rabbit and stuttering and all these different things but my passion was the art so I started doing both I started doing a little of both and I've been to lectures uh, at Harvard and other places, if you have a job, you don't give up your main job before you put your toe in the water. So I advise anybody out there, if you have a passion, but you don't think you can make a living at it, hold on to your nine to five and, and push yourself to work those extra hours on what you love. The point is, if you can, keep the nine to five job and then you know from that, uh, move on to the other, which is what I did. Uh, I used to have a little car accident here and there. <laughs> so that convinced my husband it was worth $20 an hour. I found some retired policeman or someone else to drive my car around. Um, I had a funny Irishman who said, if it's raining soup, I'd be carrying a fork. That's a... <laughs> yeah. And he was the only Irishman, six feet four, who was afraid of his own rear end. I'd come out of an art opening, everybody's limo was there. My limo happened to be a Cadillac three years old that I owned, but it was black and it looked good. Yes. So he's sitting in it, but he's nowhere to be found. I say, Jerry, where are you? On the phone. Oh, I had to move. I'd get a ticket. I said, all your family are policemen. You don't have a police badge? You're the only schlemiel, not in line. Not in line, What's waiting for you. Here? You'd have to go around the corner. Come back. Oh God, I have stories up to the zoo. So but what? I, I have wonderful people I work with. What anyway, was your first big piece of art? What was your first like famous piece of artwork? What was it like? Oh my God, gonna, I know. I'm gonna interrupt and go back to high school because okay. I found this picture. <laughs> it's a hundred years old. I'm dressed up like a Dutch girl, Bolduc, uh perfumes, and it's Mayor. It's the Governor of New York then, Nelson Rockefeller, and Governor Wagner. And my grandmother, who was like four feet tall and four feet wide, <laughs> had she had a friend who uh, was from Holland that played cards with her. And the, and the Holland woman uh, from Holland, this was her perfume company, and she said, you know, I would like to hire your granddaughter. I was in high school. She says, I think that the dress she wore to her brother's bar mitzvah, she showed her a picture, a white organdy dress with a big blue cummerbund, which of course I got wholesale. And I wore it to do, be this Dutch girl. So here, I have this bottle of perfume, and I'm giving it to Mayor Wagner, and then Governor Rockefeller comes by, and I say, and I want to present one to you. So Mayor Wagner says, well, you just gave it to me. So Governor Rockefeller says, what are you going to do? How, how are you going to do this? You only have one bottle. I said, well, I gave it to him. I'll take it back and give it to you. They thought that was so funny. I mean... I didn't know what else to say. I just no, of course move not. Move the goods around because neither one are going to use the perfume. No, right? of course yes. not. Exactly. Meanwhile, it made the newspapers, and they thought that I was Governor Rockefeller's new daughter-in-law because the son went to Europe and came back with a Swedish wife or girlfriend. 
So it was a really nice mix-up. That was like my first toe in the water that maybe I would like to be in the limelight. But you know, here's my advice. Here's the real important thing of this podcast. My <laughs> advice is, what is your passion? What do you love to do? Because if you're just doing something to you know, make a living, pass the time, it's okay if you have to make a living. But if you have, if you're living with your parents or you have a husband or you're not dependent on your income and you can figure out a way to pursue what you love to do, that's really the way to make a success. Because I was definitely obsessed with the art world. You, you also need a gene. Like people tell me goodbye, they hang up on me, they like close it. Doesn't bother me. Something wrong with me. But for a good, <laughs> good salesperson, it's great. I look at it this way. You have a bagel. There's yes. a hole in the bagel. Right now that's what you have, the hole, right? Okay. You, if I approach you and I'm in a restaurant alone on a trip and I see a nice looking woman, interesting like you, the glasses and the whole thing. I yes. might go and say, I love your glasses. You say, oh, thank you. And I'll say, you know what, I'm eating alone. Would you like to join me? Yes, I would join you. Okay. But someone might say to you, no, I really like to eat alone. I say, okay, fine. Doesn't bother me. But if she ate with me, now, now, I, have, now I have part of the bagel. And the same with sales or selling my art. If I approach someone and they hung up, so they hung up, I, it doesn't bother me. Or if I went to someone at an auction, it didn't bother me. And most of the time people are curious. Most of the time people are more receptive than you think they would be. I saw Steve Martin, the actor, bidding on a, on a Cy Twombly. And I knew I had the same date, the same period of Cy Twombly painting in my apartment to sell. And when he didn't get it, I went over to him and I said, I got a better one and I'll give it to you for less money. He looked at me like I'm some kind of nutcase, right? Yes. At the time, I had very curly hair. I looked like that girl he was dating and I was about 20 pounds thinner and about 100, 100 years younger. Who was he, who was he dating? Peters? He was, yeah, Jeff Bernadette Peters. Bernadette Peters. He was dating Bernadette hair. Peters. And that's how, I don't have the picture here with Andy Warhol, but when I did the Andy Warhol portrait, I had my hair very, very tight curls. So anyway, he said, all right, I'll take a look. Where do I have to go? I said, well, I have a car downstairs. Uh, my driver, Smoke. Smoke actually smoked a lot, and also he was in a band. So he drove for me in the day, smoked weed when no one was looking. <laughs> and he was in a band at night. He was another one. I'd go downstairs 50-50, he'd be there. Everybody else would be there. Yes, everybody else would be there. What are you going to get for $20 an hour? I mean, I wasn't going to get a professional. Anyway, Steve Martin gets in the car. We go up to, from the 60s, from Christie's 59th Street, we go up to 82nd Street where I had an apartment. And I, and I talked my husband into, you know, taking it for an art gallery. So I get him up there, and uh, he doesn't say a god darn word. The whole time, you know, you think he's funny? Doesn't talk. Right? Not so funny. So if somebody doesn't talk, it's like now. I can just keep going all the way to China. <laughs> I can keep rolling. I've got stories up to Gazoozits. And I say to him, look, Steve, I really don't have a painting. I've got 10 teenage girls that are waiting for your autograph. Doesn't crack a smile. I keep talking about art, about jokes, about anything, nothing. We get in there, I open the door, there's nothing there. He sees the painting, he likes the painting. How much is it? I give him a good price. He says, can I get a discount? 
I said, I gotta call my husband, he's my partner. I call my husband, he says, absolutely not. You're selling it for less than Larry Gagosian, and he knows Larry Gagosian. The one at Larry's is 20% more, more than the auction, and the one at auction just made a new high price. I hang up the phone, I said, I'll tell you what. You can't fire me, we're married, right? Yes. But I, I can give you like maybe five or 10%, I'll give you 10% or 5%, I don't know what I gave, gave him something. I said, but here's a caveat. When my kids are off for the holidays from college, I want to bring them up to your apartment. And I want to take, at that time, Polaroids we took. Polaroids and Polaroid camera. I said, I want to bring them up and I want a Polaroid picture with you, with each of my children. All right, as long as you don't stay too long. Wow, said, Johnny Social. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got done with Steve Martin and uh, I started doing a little modeling uh, junior year. <clears throat> they decided I looked like a bride. So they wanted to give me a contract, and my father said, absolutely not, you'll never go back to college and finish, and he was right. So I didn't do that. So what did you sell that Cy Twombly for to Steve Martin? Mm, I think around 300000 300000 300000 Two, three hundred. What, what was your big... I'm not good with numbers. That's why my husband's a perfect partner. I know every story. I know what they said. I know what they ate for lunch. I know what they were wearing. I know every detail. I know the painting they like. Ten years later, I'll go back and say, I got it. It finally came available. I think the first thing is, when you do your house, if you're not looking to do an investment, buy something that you love. Walk in. It makes you happy. It lifts you up. And what lifts you up may bring somebody else down. But Michelle, I just want to ask you, um, which I want to talk about people and their artwork, because people don't know how to choose artwork for their right. house, which I think is so important. Like, I love black and white photography. I like, you know, and then yes. I like color on yes. certain things. Yes. So I love that you had said that because, listen, I go to people's houses and I'm just like, they're missing artwork or they cop out and they yeah. get something cheesy. Yeah. And I think it's so important to show people's personality. Mm -hmm. So I think that's very great that you're telling people that they have buy to buy something they love. love. Buy what you love. If you're really going to do this as an investment, get someone to help you because this has to be followed 24-7 and get somebody through a recommendation. Somebody who's made money with them, somebody who trusts them. I told people, you know, that were in, I mean, I was traveled all over the United States, and sometimes people were in LA or Texas, and if they weren't gonna come to New York, I'd say, look, I'll find you somebody good there. I don't care, I'll just give you a name. And that person would refer people to me. You know, honesty is the best policy. I had somebody come to me, it was a famous person at the time. I'm trying to remember if it was um, the Reebok. I, I dealt with Paul and Phyllis Fireman who owned Reebok and sold them fabulous paintings. And I think, I'm trying to remember, I think somebody said, oh, don't, you know, get a different curator who doesn't own a gallery. There might be a conflict of interest. So a year later at an art fair, I think he came over and he said, Herbert, Michelle, what do you think? I, I may buy this painting of swimmers. And I think it was from... Uh, the Canadian gallery, who's an A-plus gallery, a, a competitor of mine, but also someone I've worked with. And, and I was very honest. I said, it's a great painting. The price is fair. It's totally a full price, but it's the kind of painting that will hold its value. It's not a bag of feathers. Buy the painting. The point is, that was a sale of millions, millions of dollars that I just said, I didn't say, no, I can get you a better one, because I knew the painting was rare. And I knew we'd be making good investment. And you know, being honest 
and, and giving the right advice comes back in any business. You know that. Yes. What was your first big sale when you're like, shit, this is the business for me. Oh my God, I can't believe I sold this painting. Well, Do you no, remember I, your first big sale? You know, I, I, my first big sale might have been $500 out of the trunk of my car. I was just happy that I zeroed into what you like for over the couch. It wasn't about money. It was kind of like you go on blind dates and you hate everybody and you finally get somebody you can talk to. So if I could figure out what you wanted in your house, I was elated. It was like a high. It was like an orgasm, for Christ's sake. In terms of money, it built up. We sold things for millions and this and that. So Tell me, you have a great story about Keith Haring. Well, Keith Haring, I met at the very beginning, just like I met Basky at the very beginning. And Keith Haring, I, I went with Smoke, my driver, uh, down to Canal Street somewhere in Chinatown or wherever, like the Bowery where he lived. And I walked up like four flights and I get upstairs and I see there's a tent in the middle of the living room. And he says, yeah, that's where we sleep. I said, you sleep in the tent. You're in an apartment. Why don't you just sleep in a bed? He said, what are you, stupid? Look at the ceiling. You see, it's all cracked. It falls down on our head at night. So we have to sleep in a pup tent in the middle of the floor with mattresses in there. And at that time, I think it was 1981, and he was living with a gorgeous black guy named uh, L.A. Two. And that's who we started painting graffiti with, mm -hmm. L.A. Two and Keith Haring. But they, like every partnership, broke up. And Keith went on to become probably the second most important graffiti artist there was. Yes. That day I bought four pieces, uh, India ink on paper, and they were $250 each. He would not take wow. a check. So for $1,000, I bought four of them. Today they're worth about $250,000 a piece. Wow, a million dollars for $1,000. When, when, when I gave him the check, he said, I'm not taking a check. Everyone is bouncing checks on me. You'll have to go to the bank, Go with your driver, go get me cash. So I had to go and get the check cash, come back to get the pieces. So the driver, Smoke, who also happened to be a good-looking black musician, said, you must really be crazy. You're giving $1,000 cash for this junk? That's so <laughs> funny. This junk did Keith Haring ever live to see his fortune? Yeah. Did he live to see his fortune, Keith Haring? Oh, yeah. He lived to see his fortune. I think, but you know, not as much as they are today. Look, maybe instead of $250, they were worth $25,000. Now they're too Not what they were, now. not what they are now. That's what and I'm saying. And the license brand. And the license brand. Michelle Basquiat, who I also went to. Yes, I know. And I bought things for $2,500. They're now at auction for $100 million, $80 million, $100 million. I mean, it's crazy how that went up. And I put some in our foundation and sold some. I mean, I thought I was brilliant if I got, you know, four or five million for something I paid 18,000 for. Uh, so, you are brilliant. Yeah, That's well, pretty brilliant. You know what? You it's like great stock, stocks. You don't always get out at the end. You can't, you know, bulls make money, bears make money, and pigs go to slaughter. So at some point, you cash in if you want the cash flow. If you're doing a business where you need cash flow and you have to pay taxes, in those days we were paying 50% taxes. And uh, one of the pictures I have here is with my daughter and she was also extremely helpful. She worked in the gallery with me in the beginning. Was so, it hard to raise children and have such a big career? Because I always say it's very hard 
to have it all. You can have it all, but not at the same time. Mm -hmm. You can have a beautiful family and children and a big career, but not always at the same moment. 110% right. If I had it to do over, I would have waited till they were five, six, seven. I was so afraid that my brain was going to mush that I had to get started with this art business. I should have really, in, in retrospect, I would advise you and I would advise myself that I should have stayed home and given them more nurturing. How they turned out, good, great, it's a miracle. No. <laughs> it's a miracle. I had leeway, I had help in the house, but if I had it to do over, or if you were trying to start a business, try to start it part-time in your house. Try to be with those kids. It's, it's you know what, it's hard. I think women are so conflicted. And I, and I, and I do think, you know, you can have a career in children, but it, it is hard because you have mom guilt, you have this. You have, it's it's very complicated. It's I think true. men don't feel it, I, and I don't want to no. as men, much as no, we men do. men actually don't feel it at all, I don't no, think. <laughs> this is going up my house. Yeah, they go sure. to work, they yeah. leave, you know, and we... And I think women, you know, and everyone's like, well, how do you do it all? How could you have it all? You can't have it all at the same time. No, the has this right? very, very hard and you're going to pay a price. I, I couldn't help myself. If if I could have controlled myself. You know, people that are passionate, they, I've been I agree. Artists, they don't sell anything for years. They're painting every day like a son of a gun. Well they have a mother or You a couldn't husband. you couldn't stop the I momentum because the art world myself. was happening and yeah. I and I it understand pulls it. You in. It's like you're gonna do this or you're gonna lose it. So eventually I set up this little gallery and I apartment house and then when my husband came in in the 80s when when uh Keith Haring and, and Basquiat were hot he left a big business he says I want a regular art gallery so we opened a regular art gallery on 1679th where I was for like 40 years and he said where are the good paintings show me you know so we we started to sell Picasso, Leger, Miro we flew to Geneva to vaults that were locked up uh in a in a a free zone, and that free zone, tax-free zone, is a place that people keep gold bullion, they keep uh, cars, collectible cars, they kept paintings, I mean racks of paintings, like like racks, like 150 paintings here, 200 paintings there, and that's like their investment. And, and this belonged to a certain gallery also, and we started working with them, and um, we had a lot of success with them because we had people like you that we knew socially that wanted a Picasso. And we would work on a very small property. We believed in the McDonald's philosophy. Sell a lot, make 10% over and over and over. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not volume. True no, but volume. But no, a but lot. I agree. You do a it's high a volume business. Creditors. They have a painting. They <clears> hold it. They want to make 50%. So you're waiting months or years to, to sell the painting. If we were making 10, 20%, you could move it a lot quicker for a fair price. A lot of the paintings I sold, actually I got back years later. And I would say to people, you know, you're like a bank vault. If I sell you something valuable and you at a good price, and in five or 10 years you don't want it, please give it back. I want to resell it. And I, we made a lot of money that way because people mm -hmm. would come back to us if we could get them.
instead of them going to the auction house. It was a very exciting life, very fast paced. But you're, but you're still in it. Your son now has I Rosenfeld did, Gallery. Uh, my son has a gallery. My daughter has a nice collection of a few paintings, a Monet, a Renoir, a couple of Picasso drawings. She said, you know, your people make so much money holding paintings. Why should I knock myself out selling them? Let me just keep them for 10 years. And if you buy blue chip, like a blue chip stock, you know, something blue chip, Picasso is not going to disappear. Mm -hmm. You know, it may not rise like Basquiat from 2,500 to 100 million, but you also take a chance on the 10 other graffiti artists that were 5,000. Today, you can't get 500. Let me let me ask you a shady question. Who do you think is an overrated artist? Who do you think isn't that talented, but people think is so amazing? Well, I'm not going to, you know, I don't like You could say, oh, just say it, Michelle. You know what? I don't want to do negatives, but I will tell you this. If you go through an airport, you see bright paintings by somebody and they're on pocketbooks and they're on luggage and they're everywhere you look. Um, I mean, he's the best uh, promoter I've ever met. Brito. Yeah, Brito. I agree. He's the best promoter you've ever met. He's probably rich as could be. And I admire him for the decoration and his artwork as decorative. But when people say, oh, I just spent 25000 on a burrito, I go, oh, God. Oh, my. Yeah, why there's spend no, 25000 on no, that? There's no resale market. They won't even resell them in his gallery. So he gives a lot of paintings away. He's very uh, philanthropic. He gives them to children's hospitals and puts them on buildings, and he's made himself a fabulous career. But something like that is not something that I feel is really uh, the kind of mm -hmm. art that comes from here. I think he looked at the art world. Picked it was commercial. Artists, it's very commercial. And he picked from different artists and created his own style, which is very commercial. And I, I give him credit for it, but, you know, I, I don't admire that. No, exactly. You know who else was like the Charles Fazzino? You know who Fazzino is? I it was that three-dimensional artwork my son always wanted something from him and i was like yeah, I, there's no value no but leroy neiman was probably the, they said the most talented artist in his whole class he came to my son's bar mitzvah tavern on the green and he also was very decorative but uh his things have have kept some value he was really talented but again i didn't look to sell with leroy neiman it would be your husband that loves gambling in Las Vegas. He wanted a picture of him gambling in Las Vegas or at the horses. He mm -hmm. had the famous jockey. And if you were in the horse business or your husband loved that jockey, you know, people would want it because it gave them an emotional lift. Exactly. And, and he was very talented. How'd you feel about Jackson Pollock? Because I love a Jackson oh, Pollock. Oh, Jackson Pollock was great. I mean, he was such a disturbed individual. And the way he painted and flung that paint around with such a... I mean, that was so of its oh, time, yeah. like so... Oh, it was, he was fabulous. Unfortunately, he flung his life around. He wound up in a car crash. You know, he was drinking. He was tortured. And uh, I don't think he actually made a lot of money when he was alive. I think it was there. It's sad, because so many sad. talented, talented yes. artists, you yes. know, who... Yeah whose paintings go for so much money, never yes. really get to see their fame and fortune until right. after they're dead. Look at Van Gogh. Oh, I mean, I always it. say, if you go to a museum <clears> and they said you could walk out with one painting, you could take it home, which one would you take? I mean, I would take home a Van Gogh. I mean, with everything I've sold, that's a painter that I like to look at. I mean, you look at his paintings and there's so much there. 
you, you know, between the color and the expression, uh, the postmaster general, the sunflowers, uh, the starry night. I mean, they're beyond. They it's really, true. They take yeah. your heart. You know, they take. You look at things and you and you get an emotional reaction, and that's what you get. And and I would say this to you: you don't have to invest in art. You don't have to buy art. But if you go to a museum, try to look at and and feel the paintings and the painters that talk to you. And you can enjoy that, you know, in a wheelchair. I've seen old art dealers being wheeled around looking at art auctions that are coming up or museums and you get a kick out of it. And it's not golf or tennis where you got a tennis elbow, you can't move this, you can't move that, and you know, you have to give it up. You could keep this till the 90s. I came from Long Beach, Long Island. It was a middle class, regular public high school. Nobody was tutoring me. My mother wasn't spending the money. Actually, Larry, Larry Sutter, who tutored me in math and algebra so that I could graduate, we go to a cocktail party. I dragged my son along because I didn't want to go alone. My husband wouldn't go. And Guccione is there. And he was buying paintings, but whenever I saw Bob Guccione from, yeah, the, from, the Penthouse, from Magazine. Penthouse Magazine. He was a big collector, and I knew he was going to be here. I said, Jason, come with me because I want to have a man with me. I don't think he'll talk to me. So we go there, and then I, I just, you know, for some reason, I wasn't in the mood. I was a little tired. It was 6, 7 o'clock. My son said, look, you made me come. We're going over to talk to him. I go over, I talk to him, and guess who is his uh, money, man money manager who works in his firm? Larry, Larry Sutter. Larry Sutter. No. Yes, no I said, way. oh my God, this guy got me so I could go to college. Without him passing algebra, I never would have gotten into any college. So that started funny this, that, and I said, what do you want? Every time I send you something, it goes in the trash basket. I never get anything back. Yes, no, maybe. He said, oh, send me something, an offering. I said, you throw it in the garbage, I know it. He said, no, now I know you know Larry, I met you, your son, I'll look at it. I said, well, what do you want? He says, find me a leger that's worth two million for a million and I'll buy it. And I said, okay, I'll look around. He says, I want it big, give me like an eight footer or something. Meanwhile, I come across months later an eight foot painting that was cut out of its frame by a thief. And my friend, who's another art dealer, got it. And they restretched it. It was in perfect condition because they cut just around the edge. And I offered it to him, and he bought it. And we delivered it on St. Patrick's Day. And we could not drive the truck up Fifth Avenue to his townhouse because it was close to the St. Patty's Parade. So, the, um, I don't know, the guy driving the truck, his name was Mulligan or something, he was another Irishman, he and two people carrying this eight-foot painting to the townhouse to deliver it. My husband says, you know, this is like giving somebody a bag of money. I think it may have cost $2 million. I, I mix up the numbers, but it was worth double. Anyway, I said, look, the worst that happens if he doesn't pay will get such public relations all over the world that he took the painting and didn't pay. Yes. You know. We gotta just go with the flow. Anyway, it all worked out. He paid for the painting. He loved the painting. I went to visit it. And uh, it's just it's funny how things cross over. Here, the guy that tutored me in algebra wound up yes, working for him. Yes, I love it. Yeah, so I had a lot of interesting experiences. And again, you know, you're not gonna go into 
a podcast or a makeup business or a food business because somebody you know is doing well at it. You're going to go into what you want to do. You have to go with what makes you happy. Well, not even happy. What you can't stop doing. I agree. You've given amazing advice through this whole podcast, but if you could just give one piece of entrepreneur real yeah. advice, what would that be? I'd say you're going to ask people, should I do this? Should I become a hairdresser? Should I become a makeup person? Should I become a chef? Don't ask so much. If you love it and you're pretty good at it, just do it. Just start. So I always say I'm successful because, you know, I grew up 50% determined, 50% delusional. And I think people get the wrong idea of delusional. I always say because I believed in my own line of shit. I always thought I was, you know, going to be famous. I always thought this or, you know, not that I'm so famous, but you know what I'm saying. I agree 100%. So what are you, what are you? What part delusional, what part determination? I was very determined and I just didn't let the fear factor in. Exactly, There's that's the delusional here. part just I think sometimes. don't let it in. What happens if they say no? Don't take rejection personally. It's that moment of rejection. Think how to make a no into a yes. It's true, it's it true. Is. If you don't believe in yourself, and that's what I say, it was, I think it was my delusion like, I was like, oh, well, you know, they can't hate me. They don't this, that, yeah, da, da. Exactly. If you believe in yeah. yourself. And maybe, you Fantasize. know, it's you believe your own yeah. hype. Fantasize. That's what no As one else will. my mom would tell me when I was a little kid, what's the worst thing that could happen? Exactly. You'll still wake up tomorrow and you'll just start again. That's right. That's it. And that's what And you have to dream. Just like caviar dreamers. You have to dream what I'm That's what, what I say. Do. Well, Michelle mm -hmm. Rosenfeld, you are a delight, a pleasure. So, so fabulous. So I love it. So inspiring. Incredible. The stories are endless and incredible. Tell where do people find you? Michelle Rosenfeld, uh, www.michellerosenfeld.com. MichelleRosenfeld.com. Yeah, and it's um is a website. And uh, so you can find me that way. And I'm happy to answer any questions. It's, I would say this if you do want to go into the art world, work in an art gallery or work at one of the auction houses. Get your get your feet wet and get your experience on somebody else's nickel. Even if they're paying you $10, $15 an hour, sit in that gallery, see what goes on, get the feeling, see if you really like it when you're there. I know people that went to work for lawyers hated it and stopped going to law school. I agree. Uh, yes. You have to try it out and get your feet wet in whatever you really want to do. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I think and have a mentor and learn the business. Exactly. And you know what I, I love? So. At any age, you have goals and this and that. And well, right now I'm taking Spanish twice a week. Yeah, she takes Spanish yeah, twice I, a week. I, I spoke uh, uh, un poquito Espanol in uh, high school. <laughs> 50 años que pasado. And I think what it's given me uh, a much greater understanding of how difficult it is to really learn a language mm -hmm. well. I think we look down on people that speak broken English. And I can tell you, they're really looking down on me with my Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. thank you so, thank so you. much, Michelle. We thank love you. having you. You look thank fabulous. You. Thank you. Thank you, Caviar Dreamers. This was thank very, very so informative. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did.
And you can find me at the real Margaret Josephs as opposed to the fake one on Instagram or my website, margaretjosephs.com. And you can find everything about Michelle there. We'll have links to her website exactly. and fab amazing pictures. And fun. you can find us here at Caviar Dreams Tuna Fish Budget. We have new episodes every Wednesday. Thanks, guys. Keep dreaming. Keep dreaming, Caviar Dreamers. Keep dreaming.